Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score, and today's episode is presented by Subway, who now deliver so you can get back to the game. Today, we are previewing week seven. We got a bunch of real-life trades we got to talk about, how that's going to impact the fantasy landscape. We're also going to talk about running back handcuffs and the undefeated 49ers team and the Jets, now that they have Sam Darnold back, it's like a whole different team and a bunch more stuff, including the players that we think are being overlooked going into week seven here. But I want to bring on my guest first, one of the brightest minds in the fantasy industry. We've had him on before. It's round two, Elliot Christ of the Quant Edge. You can find him on Twitter at Elliot Christ. Elliot, welcome back, man. I'm pumped to be here. Thanks for having me, Justin. Well, the last couple of weeks, I don't know if you've been listening, but what we've been doing off the top is I've been asking on Twitter to see what everyone's biggest fantasy question is heading into that week. And it's not start sit stuff. I want big picture kind of questions, the stuff that's going to help people win fantasy titles. And we got a lot of great questions again this week. And oddly enough, a bunch of them were about Kareem Hunt. I didn't realize that so many people were that concerned about Kareem Hunt coming back. I mean, before the season, I said my thoughts on it and... I think Nick Chubb was going to be just fine. I thought he had a a half a year here to show everybody how good he was, and he's done exactly that. So I'm not that concerned about Kareem Hunt, other than the fact that he is a pretty good handcuff once he gets back in week 10 here. But I want to read a couple of the the questions, and then we'll see if we can help fantasy owners here. So at Steve Park 28 asks, best RB stash for week 14 to 16 of the playoffs. So many to choose from. At matter underscore ongoing also wants to know who are the best playoff stashes and at Ralph Pickles, when is the right time to handcuff your studs? Should the Chubb owner spend big to get Hunt? That's one of those Hunt questions that I mentioned there. But Elliot, I don't know about you. Generally for me, I think this is a little bit early to be focused on specifically handcuffs for the fantasy playoffs, but... This is around the time of year as bye weeks start to go by that you want to start to fill up your bench spots with as many of those high upside backup running backs as you can. So let's just start off by, I want to know what's your strategy? How do you approach handcuff running backs in redraft leagues? Yeah, I mean, the the type of running back I'm always looking for for the handcuff is if the guy ahead of him goes down, does he become a workhorse back? And if the guy ahead of him does not go down, does he have any standalone value? So a perfect example would be like Chase Edmonds, right? If something happens to David Johnson, Chase Edmonds can be a league-winning type player. And if nothing happens to David Johnson and you get injured someplace else, you can start Chase Edmonds and have a hope and a prayer on his 30% snap share, you know, catching a couple passes, still being involved in the offense. So what 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 I don't want is the guy who right now plays 10% of the snaps behind a back and if an injury happens, it's going to have a two or three back timeshare and be a nightmare to roster. And I think there's a couple of those likely timeshares, in my opinion, out there now. I mean, Malcolm Brown and Darrell Henderson. We like what we saw from Henderson last week. I think if Todd Gurley's out again, probably going to turn into a little bit more of a share there. Gus Edwards, Justice Hills, another one that comes to mind. Uh, those guys, I think if Mark Ingram goes down, we're going to see both those guys involved. And the Colts as well. I talked a lot about wanting to get the backup a running back in the Colts offense just because how good that line is. But that one also kind of looks like it's going to be a, a timeshare if Marlon Mack ever missed uh, any games. 
So who are, do you have a list of some of the backs maybe that you're looking at other than Chase Edmonds, who we've seen actually play pretty well the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you just said. I think it's cheating if I start with Austin Eckler, right? I know he's rostered <laughs> on everybody's, but I would say that he's the ultimate handcuff running back right now, just based on his early season performance. And For sure. Um, you know, a couple that pop, pop to mind is like uh, Raquel Armstead of the Jaguars. Fournette's playing the, you know, <laughs> we call him in chat, fat Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> because he's playing a hundred, basically a hundred percent of the snaps. The only time he comes out of the game is when he's tired after a long run or in Denver, where the altitude beat him up a little bit. And Armstead should see about seventy percent of the carries. They actually like him a bit there. Um, Gio Bernard is a guy that, if something happens to Joe Mixon, could have a monster role. We've seen that before with the seventy-five percent snap share, and even last week he saw forty-eight percent of the snaps. So. Bernard's a guy that has a bit of a role right now, and if something happens to Mixon, is an excellent pass catcher, and that, that bad offensive line wouldn't concern me too, too much. I mean, Mattinson of the Vikings, I think, could have a monster role. Um, Jamal Williams could have a monster role, and we saw him look a lot better, but he's definitely rostered right now. I just want to kind of throw out a couple names. But those are those are the first guys that pop into my head, and if something happened to Le'Veon Bell, I think Ty Montgomery could be you know, a huge play as well because they really liked him coming into the season. He got a little bit more involved last week and is a talented receiver out of the backfield. My only concern with Montgomery, though, is every time we've gotten excited about him, whenever he's going to get those starter snaps, it seems like he breaks down himself. And I don't know that he'd be able to sustain it, but for a game or two, if he gets in there, I definitely agree with you, especially with how good that Jets offense looked last week. But we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, I'll throw out a couple more here. Uh, Tony Pollard was one that we were really excited about at the start of the year. We thought he might get a couple games if Zeke was going to hold out and then Zeke came back. But we saw Pollard go over 100 yards against Miami. So we know he could perform behind that line. Uh, Latavius Murray looks like he's going to get his shot this week. These are guys that I think should be owned in, in most leagues already, but I'll throw them out there. Hunt, who we talked about earlier, I think he's a pretty good one, just in case he gets uh, the starting job later in the season if Chubb gets hurt. Uh, Rashad Penny, too, he really fumbled away his opportunity to get a chance at starting when Chris Carson was almost fumbling away the job itself. But Penny's still there. He's dealing with these hamstring issues on and off, but... If he ends up healthy and Carson either gets fumbleitis again or ends up getting hurt, I think Penny could be a league winner there. And I like that you mentioned Raquel Armstead. I think there's a couple guys like Armstead that aren't talked about enough because they aren't really household names yet. Like we're seeing some of these guys like Madison and Pollard. They got a lot of hype coming into the season. But when you look at Armstead, Reggie Bonifon with the Panthers, we know Christian McCaffrey has proved himself. Last year, he handled the crazy workload and he made it through the season. This year, looks like he's doing it again. They're on their bye this week. He's going to have a chance to get even healthier for the stretch run. But we saw Bonifant flash. And if McCaffrey went down, seems like he's pretty much the, the clear backup there and would step into a pretty nice role. Like you're talking about with a guy like Chase Edmonds, Bonifant might be the poor man's Chase Edmonds in that one. And then when you're talking about uh, timeshares, um, just right now timeshares, like you mentioned Eckler. Eckler has value right now as a flex, maybe even as a low-end RB2. And if Gordon went down, would be that RB1 again. Uh, Jamal Williams is like that. Uh, Miles Sanders, I think, is like that. Don't really love what he's doing between the tackles right now. But if Jordan Howard was moved out of the way, Sanders would get a pretty big workload there. And Royce Freeman's a guy that... Just had some bad luck, not really scoring touchdowns, but he's getting a ton of work 
in that offense, and they're a timeshare right now. But once again, not a real handcuff, but a guy who his value would rise astronomically if Philip Lindsay were sidelined. Yeah, I think one of the really difficult things about this question is not understanding the league, right? Because there are eight team leagues, ten team leagues, fourteen team leagues, whatever it is. There's teams I've played in leagues where there's what four bench spots, and I've played in league where there's ten bench spots. Yeah. So, you know, a guy like Freeman in an eight team league with four bench spots is probably available. But a, a guy like Bonifant is like a fourteen team league kind of guy where you're just hoping that something happens to McCaffrey and he can hold hold you down. I mean, that, that's really what we're looking at. But going back to the Kareem Hunt thing, I'm very much with you. I, I think he's going to – they already said he's going to be more of a change of pace back. Now, if something happens to Chubb, Hunt could be, you know, an excellent play. We, we know he's a great NFL player. I, this, the off-the-field stuff is, you know, it, its own issue when it comes to fantasy. But I, I'm not spending, like, all my, my waiver wire money on Kareem Hunt if there, nothing's wrong with Nick Chubb. I'll let someone else go crazy for him and spend much less money on guys like Armstead and Bonifin and and Madison potentially, like that I'm going to be able to save all my fab in case someone does get hurt and there is a guy on the waiver wires and, you know, I didn't blow it all in Kareem Hunt hoping that something happens to Nick Chubb. Absolutely. Well, handcuffs are, are always fun because they offer so much hope to fantasy owners, right? And trades are kind of the same in that respect. And that goes for fantasy owners. It goes for NFL GMs. It goes for pretty much everybody out there. So let's talk about a couple of these deals that we've seen happen this week. And like I said, how they impact the fantasy landscape. So the Rams, let's start off with the Rams here. They acquired an offensive lineman. They go out and get Austin Corbett from the Browns. Then they trade away cornerback Marcus Peters to the Ravens. And with Akeem Tlaib on IR, everyone immediately assumed something else had to be coming. And they were right. Jalen Ramsey gets brought in for pair of first round picks, a fifth round pick as well in that one. We're not here to debate the deal itself at all. We don't have to talk about the merits of that whatsoever and the Rams going all in or anything like that. What we want to look at is how this affects the Rams from a fantasy perspective. Is there an angle here for fantasy owners to capitalize on, Elliot? Even if it is just maybe being a little bit more concerned about top wide receivers going up against the Rams because Ramsey's there now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's two-sided, right? Um, one, you have to be worried about Ramsey. It's He's going to shadow, especially coming in in the middle of the season, he's not going to know the defense as well. I mean, the assumption of rational coaching would suggest that you put Ramsey on the top receiver and you basically say, take him away. You know, almost what the Jets used to do with Revis, where Rex Ryan called plays for 10 players and Revis was just, you know, go, go erase him. <laughs> um, that, I think that's what makes the most sense. And what that would lead towards is more ancillary wide receivers against the, the Rams having big games, right? So just take this week, for example, with the Falcons, Calvin Ridley and Mohamed Sanu are better plays now because of this trade because, you know, the Rams are going to be able to take away top-end receivers, and that's going to funnel more targets to the secondary options. Totally agree with you there. I mentioned Marcus Peters getting dealt to the Ravens. Seems like that one you weren't a big fan of. If I'm just judging by what you put out on Twitter – most people seem to react like this was going to be a positive. The Ravens have all those injuries in their secondary. But seems like you feel this could actually have a negative impact on them. Is that right? Well, I mean, I think from a fantasy perspective, Marcus Peters is a guy I like to target. I know he's PFF's 14th ranked cornerback this year. Uh, my friends and I nicknamed him Toast just because every, every <laughs> time we watch him, he's either missing a tackler or getting burned deep. But one of the things he really likes to do is gamble, right? That's why he has those big plays. Yep. 
from a fantasy perspective, I don't really care about that because teams are going to target him. And so for the Ravens, did it make sense? They gave up nothing. And Peters has talent, and their secondary is banged up. It came into the year as projected as one of the top secondaries in the NFL with Earl Thomas and Jimmy Smith and Marlon Humphrey, and has just been you know, injured. So I think Peters helps them some, but he's certainly a guy that, from a fantasy perspective, I will not shy away from and will look to target. And he's going to get even more balls thrown his way just because Marlon Humphrey's there. Marlon Humphrey's been playing fantastic. He's been going into the slot and covering guys. They've been using him as the number one guy there, so Peters is going to have a ton of action thrown his way. Oh, when when Jimmy Smith comes back too, you're just going to see teams pick on Marcus Peters. And if there's a receiver that's really good after the catch, Marcus Peters couldn't tackle me. You know, he has no <laughs> he has no interest in that. So he's a guy that I look to target a lot. All right. Well, the 49ers didn't make any trades. They don't have to. They're five and zero right now. They're looking good on both sides of the ball, but. It's still a little uneven in terms of usable fantasy assets in San Francisco. So outside of George Kittle, we know Kittle's awesome. You and I were talking about that before the podcast a little bit. Their offense everywhere else, a little uncertain exactly in terms of who's going to get the production. We know the running game's solid, but touches have been bouncing around. In part, that's because Tevin Coleman was injured. And it seems like now that Coleman's back, it's going to be Coleman and Breda, their backfield together. We know... Raheem Mostert's got in there a little bit, but that seems to be when they're up in games that he's going to get more touches. Pettis, completely disappointed. Somebody I really liked coming into the season, but his snaps are on the rise now. Is there anyone in that 49ers offense that you feel confident in as a weekly play other than obviously Kittle? <laughs> no, <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, Kittle is seeing 25% of the market share of air yards and 25% of the targets. He is the one guy that's going to be on the field the whole time and be a big part of this offense and can make the most of seven or eight targets. And that's what, that's who he is. The problem is, you know, Kyle Shanahan hates your fantasy team. He just does. <laughs> like, no. they, they're, their offense is designed to play two to three backs. And like you said, you know, Raheem Mustart, as everyone likes to call him, <laughs> is a guy that is going to come in at the end of the game. So even if you have that positive game script, you don't get that late hammer with Brita or Coleman around the goal line. I don't really like targeting guys that are looking at 10 to 12 carries, uh, one or two targets, and I don't like receivers who are splitting time five ways. If I had to pick someone, it would be Dante Pettis, who has been rising up. But still, we're looking at a season-high six targets last week. You know, I, I, I think with Pettis, it's just one of these guys that everyone wanted him to be really good coming into the year, and so any positive sign people are holding on to. But <laughs> six targets and 70% of the snaps is not exactly something we're jumping for joy at with fantasy. Yeah, and they're just they're using the backfield and the wide receivers. It's just committees across the board there. The real play is probably the 49ers defense, right? Outside of Kittle, it's probably the 49ers defense you're gonna want to use in fantasy. Oh, they've they've loaded up this defensive line for years, right? With Bosa, I mean Solomon Thomas hasn't really worked out, but Buckner and Armstead, they just and they, they traded for um, Ford in the offseason. I mean they they've just absolutely loaded up this this front four. They have really good linebackers behind them. Sherman's been really good. Jaquiski Tart is known for taking away tight ends. And their their cornerbacks have stepped up a ton, especially Kawan Williams was a guy that we targeted for years in fantasy. This 49ers defense is legit. Now, they have played a few of the worst offensive lines in all of football, and the Bucks, the Bengals, the... The Bills' offensive line is solid. The Browns and the Rams. Like, these are four of the bottom 10 offensive lines in football. So, I think some of it's a little inflated. But 
you know, in that division, they're going to play the Cardinals and the, the Seahawks. They're going to play a lot of bad offensive lines with an elite front four. So I, I really like the 49ers defense going forward. And quite frankly, if your name's not George Kittle or you're not the 49ers defense, I'll kind of let someone else deal with the headache. Let's go from one end of the spectrum all the way to the other. Injuries have caught up with the Chargers. I think at this point, I think we have to accept that their offensive line has just fallen apart in recent weeks and it's impacted the entire offense, which has just looked terrible. Melvin Gordon hasn't looked great since returning, but really nobody in that offense is producing. Even Eckler is kind of just running into piles and we're not seeing the same player that we saw in the first few weeks of the season. The only guy that is producing is Hunter Henry came back last week and kind of stunned everyone with a massive game, even though he's playing limited snaps. Do you think that there's hope for Gordon and for Eckler and even for Keenan Allen? I mean, Allen's been held under 50 yards the last three weeks. He was over 98 yards each of the first three games there. Or is it just the fact that the line and the injuries, really the injuries on both sides of the ball, they had a ton of defensive guys go down as well. Is that just going to sink at least the fantasy assets in the Chargers offense from here on out? Yeah, I mean, the Chargers are probably the NFL's most disappointing team so far this year. Injuries have played a major role in that. Uh, Keenan Allen's currently more worried about Chris Harris for whatever reason. So weird. I, I don't know why he keeps tweeting about it, but whatever. We're moving on from that. I think one of the things that really brought Eckler and Allen up so much is that this team ran out of players and the offensive uh, game plan became so concentrated around Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler that they were just both completely fed. Now, I think Allen will still have big weeks and is still certainly a must-play in fantasy on a weekly basis, but they're going to be more volatile with Melvin Gordon back. And we've seen, using TQE's injury tool last year, his red zone target share drops 8% with Melvin Gordon on the field. Melvin Gordon, they're trying to force in between the tackles. He's been horrendous since coming back. It's a really bad offensive line. We know that running backs are really correlated fantasy-wise to how many snaps they're playing. And as long as Gordon and Eckler are splitting snaps, it really limits both their ceilings. And Hunter Henry and Mike Williams take a lot of the touchdown equity away from Eckler and Allen. So it's definitely a reason to be concerned. Um, Henry is still a weekly start. Allen is still a weekly start. Eckler and Gordon, I think I would be really worried about. Uh, Yeah, it's a tough situation. And I do think that Gordon's going to get a little bit better here. I think it seems like it's trending in the direction where they're going to continue to give him more touches. He's asking, he's saying that the problem right now is that he's not getting enough touches. I don't know if I agree with that, but fantasy wise, that's definitely the case. I think they're going to feed him a little more. I don't know if that's the right thing to do though at all. And unfortunately, I think he's probably going to top out as maybe a, a low-end RB2 in redraft leagues this year, and Eckler's fallen all the way back into that RB3 mix, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, that that sounds right. Like you said, you know, Gordon getting more volume will certainly help him for fantasy, it, and his production can really only go up. <laughs> there is That's, no down at this point. That is true. Well, as predicted, the Jets were a completely different team once they got their starting quarterback back last week, he, that month-long hiatus he was on when he had mono, as soon as he's back, injects life into that offense. Now, it helped that the Cowboys were dealing with a bunch of injuries. We do have to mention that. I mean, there were a bunch of guys that got hurt in that game. Byron Jones got hurt as well. So now this week, Darnold gets a real test against that Patriots defense that's just been crushing every opposing offense they've gone against. I mean, the Patriots defense is like a cheat code in fantasy right now. They, they have like 60 or 70 more points than the next closest fantasy defense. But specifically, let's look at the Jets here. Do you have any faith in players like Darnold, Le'Veon Bell, Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder? The rest of the season, 
I definitely think there's reason to be excited about them. But this week specifically, that Monday nighter, are you willing to play any of them? Oh, I would avoid those guys if I could. You know, Crowder would probably be my favorite because Anderson's going to see a ton of Gilmore. Uh, I mean, that that last game against the Giants, the stat I saw, which was absurd, was I think 48.3% of Daniel Jones's throws were tight windows throws, which was the highest rate in the history of the NFL in the four years that they've tracked that stat. Like, this Patriots defense is elite. Now, yes, the Jets receiving core is better than the Giants receiving core, and Sam Darnold right now is better than Daniel Jones. Um, but this is still not a defense I'm looking to target. This is what they've allowed two offensive touchdowns this season. I mean, I know they haven't played very good teams, but this is still an Adam Gates run offense, and I know everyone's losing their mind with how good Sam Darnold is, and I, I think he's a very talented player. But even if you look at his last six games, we're talking about a guy that's averaging 7.5 yards per attempt and has nine touchdowns, two interceptions in six games. Like, yeah, that's that's solid, but that's not anything to go nuts over in fantasy. You know, I, I really want Chris Herndon to come back from this offense. The Patriots showed the the first game that they're going to look to take away Le'Veon Bell in the passing game. You know, prior to last week, he had saw seen nine or more targets in every game, but the Patriots game where he only saw four. Bell's still playable for sure. You're you're going to play him if he's on your fantasy team, but he's not necessarily a guy that I'm super excited about this week. And this Patriots defense is just unbelievably good. I think the Jets' second half of the schedule has these guys you as guys you want to target, but I, I would you know, preach caution with this Jets team. It's still Adam Gase. Sam Darnold's still been up and down throughout his career. This team still has no offensive line, basically. I mean, Beecham's out and Osemele's out. You know, there's still a lot of question marks for a 1-14 that everyone has now decided that is is really good. Now, I want to stay in the AFC East, but before I talk about the next teams here, I want to admit I am a Bills fan, Elliot, so you have to factor that in here. But I am very excited to play pretty much any Bills player this week against the Dolphins. Miami's just in this overt tanking project, and they've been doing a great job of it, obviously, including, you know, screwing up that two-point conversion at the end of the game where they almost won one and screwed themselves over there last week. But for fantasy, when you're talking about a team to target, they're near the top of the list, if not at the top of the list. So Josh Allen, Frank Gore, Devin Singletary's practicing in full. He's going to be back this week. Uh, John Brown, even guys like Duke Johnson, who caught a touchdown, got some more playing time in their last game before the bye. Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox. I know in in week five, his role wasn't as big, didn't do as much, but the weeks prior to that was over 50 yards in both games. So are you with me here? Is there anyone on that list there that you should shy away from, even in this matchup with the Dolphins? Um, Duke Williams is probably not a guy I'm, I'm super excited about playing. Even against the Dolphins, though. <laughs> I mean, what kind of what 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 kind of uh, league are we talking about here? I mean, listen, Josh Allen's an elite play this this week. Josh Allen, throughout his career, has been a guy that's dominated lesser opponents and struggled against high end defenses. If you give him time and the Dolphins don't pressure the quarterback, he will find guys deep. So John Brown is my favorite guy in this game. One concern is that we've seen with the Bills this year is that when they do get up, they kind of take their foot off the throats of the opponent. Yep. Uh, so that's certainly something to keep in mind, and Frank Gore and Devin Singletary are going to split time. Uh, Cole Beasley, I think, is a really good PPR play this week. John Brown and Josh Allen are my favorite guys. Dawson, I mean, listen, they're, they're bye weeks and there's injury concerns. Dawson Knox isn't the worst streamer considering the fact there's like seven tight ends worth playing in fantasy at this point i think i have him ranked as a low-end tight end one in fantasy when you look at it there's just nobody else to put above him there's there are not many tight ends worth playing um, yeah. in, in the nfl anymore in fantasy it's, it's just kind of the reality of the situation but yeah i mean you're spot on 
This game has a total of 40. And the Bills are 17-point favorites. <laughs> That's that like uh, you don't see that ever. Like yeah. when it, when the Patriots were 17-point favorites, you know, they're 43-44 total. Like this is this is really saying the Dolphins just aren't going to score. You touched on it briefly with the backfield there, but I've had some questions. A lot of people are excited about Devin Singletary, and they should be. I mean, he looked really good in like a game and a half there that he had early in the season before he went out for a month there with the injury. But in this game, especially because they're going against the Dolphins, I don't know that there's going to be any reason to give him a big workload. If they dominate like the Vegas projection assumes they will, I think like we all assume they will, it makes a lot more sense just to let Frank Gore, maybe even TJ Yeldon get a little more work than he normally would and ease Singletary back in. Now, could he still do something on limited touches in this one? Absolutely, just based on the opponent. But I'm not on the side of him coming in here and just dominating the workload, which it seems like some people on Twitter think is a possibility. It's the rule of Frank Gore. If Frank Gore is active, no one is going to dominate the touches. It's just what <laughs> it's it's been a thing for like three years now. You know, don't try to outsmart yourself here. The the history says that Singletary is not about to come in here and play seventy five percent of the snaps. Well, we're talking about the Dolphins as a team to target and the Bills in that game. You guys obviously at the Quan Edge, you're big into daily fantasy. Are there any other games that you're targeting heavily this week? Oh yeah, I mean there's a few obvious ones, right? Rams, Falcons. Yeah. Here here's the rule of fantasy right now. Who are the Rams or who are the Falcons playing? Who are the Cardinals playing? And who are the Giants playing? Because you want to target guys against those teams. And you know, the Falcons can't get pre- they haven't been able to get pressure against the Cardinals and Texans, who have two two of the worst offensive lines in the league. And Goff is a guy who really needs to buy time. He can pick that Falcons team apart. And on vice versa, this Rams secondary is beat up. The ancillary pieces of Austin Hooper and Calvin Ridley and Mohamed Sanu are really good plays. That Giants Cardinals game is one that I really want to attack. You know, the, the Giants and Cardinals can't stop anyone deep. Uh, the Cardinals' run defense is, the numbers are slightly inflated right now, but it's just because they get burned over the top so much. So, I mean, I really want guys like Evan Ingram, the Cardinals, <laughs> the Cardinals against tight ends, man. It's oh, it's wow. about as bad as anything I've ever seen. Evan Ingram's supposed to be healthy. Saquon Barkley, David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, Christian Kirk might be back this week. I think that's a really interesting game. Uh, Baltimore versus Seattle. You know, we just talked about Marcus Peters, but Tyler Lockett could be a little bit interesting. We'll see how Marlon Humphrey may or may not shadow. Russell Wilson is always a guy when you get an up-tempo, up-scoring game, can put up monster numbers. And the the Seahawks secondary and defense is not something that scares me either. Lamar Jackson is, you know, an RB1, QB2 combined. That's what what he is right now. So those are a couple of things, uh, games that I'm really interested in targeting this week. I like that you mentioned the Ravens-Seahawks. That would be on my list, too. Just because I think casual owners might assume those defenses are good based on past performances, based on history. But this year, these defenses, they could be had. You can definitely put up a lot of points on them. I would mentioned, too, it's not the whole game that I'm going after, but the Jags wide receivers against the Bengals. Bengals just completely banged up in their secondary right now. And they weren't that good even with those guys on the field. So DJ Shark, uh, DD Westbrook, I think they can be played with some confidence. And that kind of leads us... To our final question that we ask every week, which players are being overlooked in Week 7? Yeah, I mean, he's not being overlooked, but Leonard Fournette is the staple of cash games this week for DFS. Uh, basically, any running back against the Bengals is the one you want to play. They're, they are horrendous <laughs> against running backs. Um, one guy that I think is really interesting is Alvin Kamara has a high ankle sprain. Only had a, played 11 carries last week, right? And you know he's questionable for this game, and people are going to fade... Um, Latavius Murray, especially after people played Malcolm Brown. And that Bears defense is obviously good, but we saw Josh Jacobs have a good game. 
their defensive splits without Akeem Hicks, who just got put on IR, are pretty drastic. And I, I think Latavius Murray, Saints running back, playing that many snaps, getting involved in the pass game, has all the touchdown equity in, in the running game, I think is, is a really, really intriguing play this week. I like that call. Uh, just to, to round out the Jags that we've talked about here, Gardner Minshew as well. Daniel Jones, I would also throw on that list. You talked about him a little bit in the previous question, just targeting that game. The rookies coming off bad games against tough defenses last week, right? And we kind of expect that to happen. There's going to be ups and downs when you're talking about rookie quarterbacks. So people are down on them. But I think both those guys with Minshew going against the Bengals, with Jones against the Cardinals, not only are those bad defenses, but they're two of the teams with the fastest paced offenses in the league. So we tend to see a lot more volume in the games that they're going up against. So those guys are borderline QB ones for me. I don't know if everyone sees them as that Malcolm Brown, who we talked about off the top when we were talking about the handcuffs, if Gurley's out, I do still think Brown gets the bulk of the touches there. I think it's going to be a timeshare, but I think he's going to still get the higher end of that timeshare. And all the excitement this week has been about Henderson. So I feel like people might be off Brown and it's all dependent on Todd Gurley being out again, of course, but before the 49ers really put their clamps on that Rams offense, Brown looked pretty good early in the game that he, he was producing. He had 40 rushing yards on the first drive, right? Like he and was then finished doing... with 40 rushing yards. <laughs> and yeah, like what happened there? So I still think, I think people might be looking at Brown and think that, well, he busted last week in that spot, but I think he's still a pretty good back. And I think they, the matchups they're going to get coming up here with the Falcons, and then I'm pretty sure they get the Bengals next week as well. Things are going to get right really fast for for the Rams, and we don't know what Gurley's situation is yet. So we'll have to keep an eye on that one. Uh, Christian Kirk, I know you mentioned him earlier. If he's back this week, was near the top of the league in targets before he got hurt there. So that Giants, nice matchup. And on the other side of that one, Darius Slayton gets the Cardinals. I'm kind of doubling up on the fact that, you know, you talked about that game as one to target, but Sterling Shepard likely out. Slayton's been uh, flashing. Uh, a big game could be coming there. Jacoby Myers, we have to watch Patriots practice participation this week, but Josh Gordon and Philip Dorsett both dealing with injuries. Seems like Dorsett probably has a better chance of coming back this week, but could put Myers on the map as a flex player. Maybe even a wide receiver three if both those guys are out. And I wouldn't start Corey Davis or A.J. Brown, but I'm going to be watching closely. I want to see what happens with... Ryan Tannehill coming in, taking over as the starter there. Does he have a favorite? Could it even be Adam Humphreys that ends up being his favorite? Delaney Walker, his snaps uh, went back up last week. He had a couple down weeks there, but he went back up. So he remains a, a low-end tight end one as well, even though you don't want to invest in that Titans offense. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Tannehill, whether it's just more of the same. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that Titans-Chargers game for me is a, a game that I'm going to kind of let other people uh, have their own issues with. I, I agree. I think I think you're just going to stash those guys. And it's weird because Davis and Brown are still available in a lot of spots because they haven't been producing. And it's possible with Tannehill in there, maybe he locks on to one of them. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. There's just two more guys because I agree with everything you just said that I want to mention. Uh, one is Marlon Mack. You know, the Colts are coming off a bye. They're one-point home favorites against the Texans. And we saw them against the Chiefs really rely on Mack. We saw them against um, the Texans' last playoffs you know, just basically pound the Texans right up the middle with Marlon Mack as he went for over 130 and a touchdown. And games they're favored and games they win tend to be the Marlon Mack show. And a lot of people are going to be on the Texans in that one. So I think he's really intriguing. And, you know, in the Sunday night game, no Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup should get fed against one of the worst secondaries Absolutely. in the league. Um, if you watch that Vikings film, they're just not covering people. <laughs> like, I don't know what the play calls were. I don't know what they were doing. But their guys just without anyone within like 15, 20 yards of them at times. 
yeah, Diggs was just wide open every time down the field. It was insane. Yeah, I, I feel like Diggs is good enough that you should probably cover him. <laughs> <laughs> that is all for today's show. Go and follow Elliot on Twitter, at Elliot Christ. What are some of the exciting things listeners can look forward to uh, over at uh, the Quan Edge right now? Yeah, absolutely. So we have you know betting and DFS advice. We have season-long advice as well, premium membership chat. We ha- our, our NFL picks against the spread so far this year across all NFL games have hit at 62%. Uh, We have injury tools, wide receiver, cornerback matchups, weekly rankings, ownership projections, optimizers, premium membership chat. We have 25 pieces of content per week for our our subscribers. So we're really pumped at what we have at thequanedge.com. Awesome. And I appreciate you joining me again today, man. Great stuff as always. Thank you. Remember, you can find all my content on the Score app and by following me on Twitter, at Justin Boone. Big thanks to Elliot. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time, leave on time with me.